We are in the month that we celebrate Thanksgiving. And, of course, stores have already been celebrating Thanksgiving and Christmas for a couple of months now. I told a fellow at Lowe's the other day, I walked in, and here they had all this Christmas down this way, and they had Thanksgiving stuff over here, and then they had Halloween stuff over here. And uh, I asked him, I said, are y'all celebrating Happy Thanksmas? And he said, I guess we are. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess I'm a little bit old-fashioned. I think we need to be celebrate Thanksgiving every day. There should not be a day of our life goes by that we do not take time to celebrate Thanksgiving to our Almighty God. Uh, Halloween's a different story, and we need to get through this time and then focus on Christmas, all right? So we'll, we'll think about Christmas after this season's over with, but we are in what they call the holiday season. And what I want to give uh, share with you on the Sundays this month is a, is a message that I've entitled, Giving Thanks Always. Now, that sounds real spiritual, doesn't it? Well, I got it out of the Bible. That's the reason it, it sounds spiritual. It came right directly from the Bible, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. So if you'll open there and, and read this with me, Giving Thanks Always. You see, I told you it came right out of the Bible. For all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you say, no, wait a minute, Pastor, you've lost me right there. You mean everything that comes along in life, I'm to give thanks for it. Well, you need to understand that there is a putting stuff in uh, context. And if you'll back up just a few verses... He talks about being filled with the Spirit. Be not drunk with wine where is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. He talks then about also how that we are to, to use psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in our heart to the Lord. And he's talking there about things of the Spirit. And when he comes into the next verse, he just simply says, giving thanks for all things. Now, you, and you may think I'm narrowing things down too far, but I believe what he's talking about there, giving thanks always for all the things of the Spirit of God. I mean, I don't believe that if I stomp my toe and have to have it taken off, that I need to say, well, thank you, God, for letting me stomp my toe and, and getting it took off. I think, no, 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 that's not what he's talking about. We're going to see this Scripture in just a moment, but I'll just sort of, Introduce it to you right now. In First Thessalonians, it says, in everything. In every situation, I thank God. Why? Because through the Spirit of God, He's already fixed everything that I need. So I thank Him for everything that He's given me through the Spirit to be able to overcome the things of this world. So that in these things, If I stomp my toe and it gets cut off, I can thank God that God's the healer, God's the provider, God's the one that's with me. I can thank Him in that situation without thanking Him for a bad thing. So I want to thank Him for a good thing. I want to thank Him for things of the Spirit. And I'll tell you this too, folks, in case you're wondering. The Spirit of God's not causing you to have wrecks and cut off your toe and and, uh, burn your house and all of that kind of thing, all right? 
So there's things in this life that comes that are bad. And in those things, we have recourse. And that recourse we have is Christ Jesus. In sickness. Now, I've heard people take it to this extreme. Oh, Lord, I thank you that I have cancer. No, that's not what he's talking about. Oh, Lord, I thank you that in this cancer, I have a healer. I have what I need. In this pain, I have a healer. In this chain, I have a chain breaker. In this life, the things that come and all of this, I have an answer, and that answer is in Christ Jesus. Remember, I said that He's the, the owner, He's the cap, a court, captain, He's the coach, He's the quarterback, and He's the lead blocker. So I have somebody that when I go into the enemy's territory, I'm not going there by myself. When I go into bad things, I'm not going there by myself. I'm going there with Christ Jesus. So I thank Him for that. In that situation, then in in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 19, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, I meant I put 19 down, didn't I, Bo? Boy, did I mess up today. Change that right now. If I don't, the future generation won't know what I was talking about. All right. 1 Peter. Chapter 2, verse 9. You know, I still did that wrong. Glory to God. Everybody say, Glory to God. Hallelujah, thine the glory. There's a scripture in the Bible. <laughs> I only do things like that for one reason, okay? And that's so you'll know I'm not perfect. <laughs> that says, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar or a purchased people that you should show forth the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. And I was right. It's 1 Peter 2.9. When you look at the right Scripture, you read the right Scripture. Never forget that, you preacher guys. When you read the right, look at the right Scripture, you read the right Scripture. Amen. Y'all are having fun with this, aren't you? Thank you, Lord Jesus. The purpose of thanksgiving and praise and worship. That's what I want to talk about today as we talk about giving thanks always. The purpose of this. There's got to be a reason for everything. And, you know, God does not expect us to say, okay, God, here, here goes. There's a purpose in it. And if there's something that is a purpose, we need to take it seriously and make it appointed. Now, what I mean by that is that we need to have make up our mind that praise and worship and thanksgiving is going to be a part of my life. Because, see, if all we do is this four songs, sometimes five, that we do on Sunday morning, if that's the extent of your praise, worship, and thanksgiving, folks, you're living a thankless life. Thank you. 
if that's the extent of it. Our life needs to be a life that is marked by giving praise, giving worship, and giving thanksgiving to Almighty God. That's the reason we chose this, this phrase, giving thanks always. And that don't mean once a week or twice a week. It don't mean when you hear a song on the radio you like pretty good. But it means everything. And, you know, here's something too, folks. Thanksgiving, praise, and worship is not necessarily just singing. We get, we get that, and we call this time that we do at the first of service, praise and worship. Because that's what we're doing. But it's not just singing. Everything that we do ought to be for the, the purpose of giving Him praise, giving Him worship, and giving Him thanksgiving. Now, in 1 Thessalonians, I'm going to look at this Scripture before I give it to you. But I do know it's in 1 Thessalonians. And it's chapter 5, not chapter 4, Bo. I don't know who wrote these notes down. I didn't see Loretta back in my studies as I was writing these. So I know it wasn't her. Pat, did you show up at my house early this morning? Rosie did it, okay. Blame the dog. <laughs> it's called being in too big of a hurry. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. I've got this one right. In everything, give thanks. Why? There's a purpose for it. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That's the purpose. It's the will of God. We pray, oh Lord, show me your will. Well, I'm going to take a few minutes and show you some of the will of God today. And some of that will of God is for us to become a people of praise, of worship, and of thanksgiving, not just on the fourth Thursday of November, but every day. Every day. There's things that we can thank Him for. I mean, you woke up this morning. That's, that's something to thank God for. And, you know, you, you made it to church. Because just, you know, thank God for that. Because just look around and say all the people that didn't. And while we're, while we're talking about that, you need to look around and see the folks that's not here. And then sometime through this week, you ought to call those people and say, Hey, man, we missed you at church Sunday. It'll mean a lot to them. See, I'll, I'll contact them. But that's not just like you doing it. It means so much. You know, if a husband comes in and says, you know, honey, that's a good meal. She takes that a little bit for granted because she cooked for him for 40 years. But if the grandchildren come, I say, Mama, that was great. She just, you know, you see what I'm saying? So it, so if you see people that are not here, contact them. Let them know, hey, man, we missed y'all Sunday. Let them know that you love them and care for them. Thanksgiving, praise, and worship each have different meanings, but they're closely associated with each other. Thanksgiving relates to God's deeds, what He's done. Praise relates to God's character, who He is. And worship relates to God's being and holiness to God Himself. Now, when I'm thanking God, I'm thanking God not only for what He's done, but for who He is. Thank you for that, Lord. 
Lord, I'm, you're my supplier. You're my healer. And I thank you for meeting my needs. I thank you for, for healing me. And, and then you also touch it on the worship aspect of it because you're recognizing God for who He is. So when we, we, we need to think about that. See, now, Thanksgiving is a New Testament term. Praise is an Old Testament term. Now, you find the, the word thanks and thanksgiving in the Old Testament, but there's really not a Hebrew word that's translated thanks or thanksgiving. But this word thanks and thanksgiving comes from a Hebrew word that means to extend the hand or to lift the hand. And so that's what it means. So, so we see from that then that thanksgiving involves our being reaching up to Him and thanking Him for what He's done for us in our life. On the other hand, the New Testament word for thanks is the word cherish, C-H-A-R-I-S, where the word charisma comes from. And the word for charisma is where we get the word grace from. So when we think about it, thanksgiving is an appropriate response to God's grace in your life. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you, Lord, for cleansing me. That, that's, a, that's a natural response it's a, a, to the grace of God, and that's something we need to do every day. So many times we take our salvation for granted, and, well, I got it, and that's, you know, that's, that's just it. So like so many other things, but folks, we should never take something as precious and as costly as our salvation for granted. We need to always be thanking God that, hey, God, I thank you that I'm saved. I thank you that I'm a child of God. I thank you that Jesus is Lord of my life. I thank you, Father God, that I'm not going to hell. I thank you, Father, that I'm going to heaven, that you've prepared a place for me, Jesus, and that I'm going to heaven. I thank you for that. See, that's the grace of God. I thank you, Lord, that I'm an overcomer and that you've made me an overcomer. I thank you for that because it's through the grace of God that we overcome. I thank you, Lord, for your love. It's the grace of God that gives us that. See, grace means getting something you did not deserve. If you didn't deserve it, sure, you want to be thankful for it. And thank Him all the time. Give Him praise and thanksgiving and, and worship Him for that every day. Oh God, You are my God. Lord, You're my Savior and I bless You for that. I thank You for that. I magnify You for being that in my life. And it's because of the grace of Almighty God. Folks, let's never take the grace of God for granted. Let's never take salvation for granted. But let's keep it fresh in us, up to date. And, and, and the way we do that is by thanking Him for it. Every day. You say, God don't get tired of that. Now, I'm going to tell you what God gets tired of. God gets tired of our grumbling all the time. Now, I don't know that God ever gets tired of anything. I guess I'm relating it to like if I was God, this is the way I'd be. Wouldn't you? I mean, do you love to be around people that grumbles all the time? No, nobody go home and move. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding, kidding, kidding. <laughs> But you don't want to be around somebody that grumbles. Somebody at work that grumbles all the time. Somebody at school that grumbles all the time. What about somebody at church that grumbles all the time? What if all I ever did was get up and grumble and complain about the church and about people and about the government and all that kind of stuff? You wouldn't want to come back. I wouldn't want them to come even. 
I'm not going back over there today. All I do is grumble when I'm there. I want to be a thanksgiving person, a, a, a person that releases thanksgiving in the atmosphere, that releases that positive attitude in the atmosphere, that's constantly recognizing the grace of God and leading other people to recognize the grace of God. Look to Him and, and have Him in my life. See, we need to learn to worship Him for who He is. We have a song that we sing. Lord, I worship You for who You are. I worship You for who You are. There's another song that we sing, that's why we praise Him. Why? Because of who He is and what He's done. When we can come to the point to where that God does not have to do anything else in our life for us to be willing to thank Him and praise Him and honor Him, then, folks, we've, we have come to the point to where we can truly be thankful to God for what He's done. Be truly thankful to God for who He is. Well, who is He? Well, in general, uh, there's a whole lot of things. Let me tell you, there's a whole book of things right here about who God is. And I'm not going to take you through the whole book, but there is several Scriptures that I want us to look at, and I put them in your bulletin there that you'll have them and and, uh, that you can see. And if you want to make a note about what each one of these things stand for, then that's good that you need to do that. But in Psalms 95, verse 6, listen to what it says. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. And then another one in Psalms 100, verse 3 says, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Folks, I'm going to tell you, I was reading that this week, and I thought, man, God, I thank You that I'm not an accident. I thank You that regardless, I'm on purpose. You're my Creator. You're the one that made me. I didn't evolve. I didn't come from a tadpole and lose my tail or, or didn't come from a monkey and fell out of a tree and couldn't climb again. I didn't come from any of those things. I'm sort of like a fellow talked about the other day that he had a DNA test done. And he said when that DNA test came back, he found out that he was part Irish, part German, part Scottish, and some Cherokee Indian and zero eight. I said, I like that. I, I, may, I may do that one of these days. I'm brave enough. I don't believe I'll come back any ape or bird brain either or any of those other things I've been called in my life. <laughs> I won't say that. Let me go on. I almost said something I shouldn't, Ron. <laughs> Made my face turn red again, didn't it? Living color going on around here today. He made me. There's a scripture in Psalms that says that I am marvelously, fearfully, and wonderfully made. There's a scripture in Jeremiah where he said to Jeremiah, and if he knew Jeremiah at this point in time, he knew you and me. He said, I knew you in your mother's womb. I created you there. I knew you before you were born. Folks, there, there may be accidental circumstances around somebody coming into this earth through birth, but there's never an accident as far as God is concerned. And I believe that's one reason that, that, that America is going to have to humble itself on its knees and repent. 
for so many abortions that takes place in this nation every day and has over these years. God knows those precious little embryos and God knows those precious little babies as they form in that womb. He knows. He knew me when I was there. Hey, not only did He know that I was going to be born, but He put the inspiration in my mother to name me David. I believe that. God's got a purpose for my life. He's my maker. And He, let me tell you, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says that we are created in the workshop of Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you that you need to realize this about yourself. He don't make any junk. You're not junk. You're created by Almighty God. You're created with a purpose. You're created with a destiny. God has something in your life. He knows the plans that He has for you. And folks, that ought to elicit thanksgiving. Thank you, God. Thank you that you're my creator. That you're my all in all. And, and, and so what I want to do is take a few minutes to talk about who God says He is. See, I, I can, you can tell people about me. And if you do, I hope it's nice. Because I can tell them about me better than you can tell them about me. So God can tell us about Himself better than I can tell you about God. So, let's just look at what the Word of God says. First of all, I mean, there's a lot of places we could go. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, God said to Abraham, Now, Abram had just got through tithing, and, and God had already promised him a child, and God had said, I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to help you, and I'm going to walk with you. And in, in Genesis 15, 1, it says, After these things, the Word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram, I am your shield. And your exceeding great reward. Abraham, I'm your te- protection. I'll be with you. No harm's going to come against you. Don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. And in the Hebrew literal translation of this is that I'm your net worth. Abraham, because I'm your God. Because I'm the Lord God, Abraham, and you've committed to me, I want you to know that you're worth everything that I'm worth. Now grab a hold of that. That's good enough for Abraham. Well, Galatians tells us that the blessing of Abraham has come upon us through faith. Abraham received those things by faith, and they've come upon us by faith. And then in Genesis 17, 1, when Abraham was was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. I'm Almighty God. The Hebrew word El Shaddai there. And the El Shaddai means the God that is more than enough. The God that has everything that you and I need is who God says He is. I've got it all. That's the reason Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest, because what I have, I'll give to you. What I have, I'll bestow upon you. I'm the Almighty God. So walk before me in this. Then in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, God appeared to Moses and he said, I am who I am. The King James says, I am that I am. But here he says, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me. I am the everlasting God. I always have been. I am now. And I always will be. And what that means for us today, God was in our yesterdays. God is in our today, and He'll be in our tomorrow. 
strong and powerful. Everything that God has ever been, God is today. And everything that He is today, God always will be. And He said in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, He said, I'm the Lord thy God, I change not. And then Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am that I am. And that promises to you and me today. Then in Exodus chapter 6, verse 2, well, we're going to read verses 2 through 6. And the Lord spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. By my name, the Lord. But by my name, the Lord, I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, in which they were strangers. That I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians kept in bondage. I have remembered my covenant. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and great judgments. I am the Lord. I am the Lord is translated from I am Jehovah, the great Jehovah, the, the, the God that is always able to do what He says He'll do. The Jehovah, that's the covenant-making and covenant-keeping God. Every promise. See, when the children of Israel got over in the promised land, over in Joshua, he said that not one word that God has spoken to us has failed. God's made a promise. God will do that. Why? Because He's Jehovah. He said, I am the Lord. He is Jehovah. Every promise He has made, He'll keep that. And that uh, character was in Jesus when He was here on this earth. And the last thing that He told those disciples, He said, I am with you always. Always. I'll be with you. I'm here with you. That's the promise. And folks, in those times when we feel like we're alone and there's no hope for us, there's no help for us, I want you to know that Jesus is with you because He said He would be. And in those times, you can lift up your voice and your heart to God and thank Him. This is so important for the children of Israel. Eighteen times in the book of Exodus, God spoke to them and said, I am the Lord. I'm Jehovah. I made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I'm keeping that promise. I'm keeping that promise. And I'll bring you into the land that I promised to give them. And, and also this term, I am the Lord, is used 46 times in the book of Leviticus. And I was looking at that last night and just more or less scanning through. But every time God gave a regulation, a law, something that they were to do, He said, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. Do this. I am the Lord. Do this. I am the Lord. Do this. Now, And to me, what He was saying is not that I'm the Lord, you better do this. He's saying, I'm the Lord, you can do this. I'm the Lord, you can accomplish this. I'm the Lord, you can fulfill this. And I want you to know today, folks, because of the grace of God, He's still the great Jehovah. He's still the Lord God Almighty. He's the one that's mighty to save. And He's telling us in our life, you can do this. You got it. You can do it. You can go through this thing. You can see it through. Why? Because I'm with you, and I'm not going to leave you, but I'm out there with you always. Psalms 46.10. He said, he says this. Or I'm sorry, Exodus 15.26. I missed that one. Don't, don't, get a, don't let me get ahead of you, Bo. Exodus 15.26. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His sight, give ears to commandments and keep all His statutes, 
I will put none diseases on you which I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Listen to what God says about Himself. I am the Lord who heals you. He's our healer. He's the one that makes provision for our healing, regardless of how healing may come. And you know, I I still believe in healing by faith, by our faith coming to the point to where we receive it. I believe in healing by the laying on of hands. I believe healing by prayer. I believe those things. And I don't have a problem with going to a doctor and getting what kind of help I need, but my faith is not in the doctor. My faith is in Almighty God. My faith is in Jesus because I know, folks, there's no healing apart from Him. But And I'm, I believe this with all my heart. If we as the church would begin to get a hold of things a little bit better, then we could see healing take place without having to run to the doctor every time some little something comes up. Psalms 46.10. You'll get there in a minute. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in the earth. The word here for God is the word Elohim. And it goes back to the Creator. But not just the Creator, but the sustainer of life. He created Adam and Eve. He created the whole garden, put Adam and Eve in. He gave all of that to them. But not only that, but He told them, said, I'm your sustainer of life. I have everything you need. And, and if you go back and read Psalms 46, it starts off without that God is a very present help in time of trouble. He's there with us regardless of what may be going on. And he talks about how that the kingdoms of this world be moved, the waters rage, the, the problems come, the difficulties come in life. And he said that in the midst of all of that, be still and know that I'm God. Be still. Take a moment. Step back. Take a breath, as they say. And realize that He is the Almighty God. And beside Him, there's none other. He says that many times in the Old Testament. Go go to your concordance and just get the phrase, I am. And see how many times through this that God is speaking and saying, I am the Lord. I am this. I am that. I am all of these things for you. And then... In Isaiah 43, verse 1, and then in verse 5, he said, But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name, you are mine. Isaiah 43, 5 says, Fear not, for I am with you to bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. Someone said there's a fear not in the Bible for every day of the year. Well, that may be so, but let me tell you what I believe. I believe that not only is He the God of all, but He's the God of fear not. We don't have to fear when we come into situations and circumstances. We don't have to fear when life turns sour. We don't have to fear when we hear the doctor's report. We don't have to fear when we listen to the news and or, or even when we listen to the prophetic preachers that's preaching about the end times. And those things are coming to make us aware, not to make us afraid. But God says, fear not. I'm with you. And I, in chapter 41 of, verse, uh, of Isaiah, He says, fear not and be not dismayed. Don't be overcome with fear. Fear to the point to where you get paralyzed. And you don't know what to do. And you know the next thing, whenever fear 
paralyzes you, you, you feel helpless, and then depression sets in. So he, look to Him, folks. In a time of fear, we can turn our hearts and our eyes to Jesus and know that we don't have to fear. Then Jesus said some things about Himself. In John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and who believes in me shall never thirst. Let me tell you something, folks. Jesus, we, we sing this a lot, and we say this a lot. Jesus is all we need. Jesus can take care of the wants, the desires, the hunger, the lust, the, the got to have, all of those things. He can take care of the emptiness, the loneliness, because He said, I am the bread of life. John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. If you feel like things are just too dim and too dark and you can't see the way to go and you don't understand how you need to do. See, this word light so many times in the New Testament means understanding. It's not just like turning on a light. Of course, it could be like having a good one of those tactical flashlights that's a thousand lumens, you know, so you can look way out yonder and narrow the beam down to where you can see. But what does that help you do? It helps you understand what's out there. So when Jesus said, I'm the light of the world, and for us that means that He's the understanding that you and I need to be able to walk in this life and see our faith increase. We don't need to look somewhere else. We need to look to Jesus because He said, I am the light of the world. In John chapter 10, verses 7 through 9, Jesus said to them again, Most surely I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever come before me are in thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters me, enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The only way to salvation, we'll see this again in a minute, is through Jesus Christ. There's only one door to get us into eternity. Now, the city of heaven has 12 gates, three on each side, but to get from here to there, there's only one door. And that door is Christ Jesus. Then John 10, 11 through 14, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But an hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches his sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and does not care about the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and am known by my own. Good Shepherd, the one that leads us in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. The one that leads us by the streams of refreshing and the green pastures so that we can lie down and find rest for our souls. The Good Shepherd, the one that's with us in the valley of the shadow of death and His rod and His staff, they comfort us. The Good Shepherd I'm talking about, the one that prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. The Good Shepherd, the one that anoints our head with oil and our cup runs over. The Good Shepherd that sends goodness and mercy to follow us in our life. And the Good Shepherd that takes us to be with Him and live with Him forever. I'm glad today that I know the Good Shepherd. And Jesus said that we know Him. We hear His voice. We go in and out. And we find the things that we need. We, he's there with us to guide us and to lead us and to show us the way that we need to go. Then in John eleven twenty five, Jesus said, I'm the resurrection. What does that mean? He came to, to Lazarus' tomb and He said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. 
He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live again. Let me tell you what that means to me. That means that this life is not all there is. Folks, I have not this. He said, matter of fact, Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians 15, if all you got is hope for this life, you're of all men most miserable. I, I want to live this life, and I want to follow my good shepherd. But I want you to know I'm glad that I eat the bread of life, and I walk in the light of the world, and, and that uh, I've gone in at the door, and my good shepherd's there with me. But I want you to know that as, as I live on this earth, my sights, are in heaven, and I've got hope for heaven because Jesus is the resurrection. So I thank Him for that. Every day I thank You, Jesus. I thank You for being with me and walking with me in this life. But I thank You that I have a home in heaven and that one day You're going to come and get me and I'm going to go home and live with You forever. Amen? John fourteen six. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. You know, I'm not really concerned about what anyone else says about, about how to get to heaven. Jesus settled it when He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. There's no need of us trying to go any other way. We can't go on our good works. We can't go on our good looks. We all think we look good, you know. There's nothing wrong with being a, a one-person admirer, you know. So... Right? We can't go on that, though. It's not going to get us to heaven. Can't go on our money. Can't go on our prestige. There's only one way, and that's through Jesus. Walking through the door of the sheepfold. Eating the bread of life. Drinking the water of life. And living in the light. Walking with Him. That takes us home. Then one other thing that I want to share with you. That Jesus said, I am. In John chapter 15, verse 1, He said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I am him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Jesus is the vine. We're the branch. But if somehow or another a branch gets dislodged, that branch dies. I just want to ask you this question this morning. Jesus said, I am the vine. Are you connected? Is your life connected with His life? Is your thoughts connected with His thoughts? Are your desires connected with His desires? Can you say, thank you, Jesus, that right now I know that I'm in the vine. You know how you know when you're in the vine? You're bearing fruit. Fruit. Now, and we're not talking here about just the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness. Faith and temperance. I didn't get them in order, but that's the ones. But we're talking about fruit in our life. Fruit of loving people. Fruit of sharing the gospel with people. Fruit of caring for people. Fruit of seeing people come to Jesus. Fruit of, fruit of laying hands on people. Fruit of doing, endeavoring to do the works that He did. And greater works than these. 
Are we connected? Are, we, are you connected in your home, in your individual life? Are we connected in our church? Folks, these are things that we need to realize. Jesus said, I am. You say, well, how do I get connected with Him? Well, you come before Him and, and allow the Spirit of God to search you. And if you're not connected today, then ask Him to forgive you. He said that He would. He's the forgiver. He's the, the, the one that forgives our sins. He's the one that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He's the one that's there with us. And then begin to thank Him. Lord, I thank You. I thank You that I'm connected. I thank You that I can do the work. Lord, help me as I work, as I go to bear fruit, to bear fruit for You. So, I want to worship Him today for who He is. I want to be connected, don't you? Let's pray. Father, how we 